athleticism at Cox. He can go on the knob for third. 200 centimetres. You can't do that. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is two blokes that have known each other forever who catch up most days in the Melbourne CBD for lunch to talk everything Essendon Footy Club. My name is Grant and with me is just me again. Um, It's the Just Me Podcast this week, guys. Um, If you're not a member of the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast Patreon, which you should be, um, Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast forward slash patreon.com, Check us out over there, extra content each week. You, If you are a member of the Patreon, you'll know that um, my co-host and friend, Mr. Scott McNeese, is currently sunning himself in beautiful Fiji. Um, we're talking uh, fruity drinks with little umbrellas in them and um, admiring the view with his much, much, much better half, his wife, um, with a well-earned break over there. Um, I'm hearing about buffets and the bluest parts of the Pacific Ocean he's ever seen. So, yeah, Scotty is enjoying himself. Um, for the Patreons who have <laughs> had the have, have had to put up with me jabbering on just by myself, um, you'll be pleased to know that this will be the uh, the last pod in which um, you'll have to just deal with uh, with the Grand Toss. It will be Scotty back as of the Thursday night team selection show next week. Um, he'll also be joining us, obviously, for the post-game reaction show and then the normal pod moving forward. Um, and Scotty's never allowed to go on a holiday again, in which um, it covers a Wednesday, sorry, a Thursday a or a weekend or a Monday. That's it. You, can't, you can go on Tuesday and Wednesday and that's it. And you could probably come back. You could probably come back, do the show on Thursday, and then you can go away on Friday. Unless you're playing on Friday, then you go away on Saturday. Unless you're on Saturday, then we go Sunday. Unless you're playing on Sunday, then you just can't go. Basically, so um, yeah, you'll be pleased to know it's just just me for tonight, and uh, then Scotty will be back next week. So where do I start, guys? Um, another disappointing display. V the dogs at Marvel. Um, we went in with. Thoughts of potentially pinching this one. Um, we we had we looked at the dogs team who aren't exactly setting the world on fire at the moment. They're uh, they're playing okay, but for a dog side who performed very well last year, it's an interesting season for those guys. They're uh, they're underperforming somewhat now. Going into this game, they had no Tim English who since. I've been here watching Tim English. He always plays well against us uh, for some weird reason. Um, he's a very, very large um, microphone head type arrangement. He's a large, um, like a pipe cleaner with a, like um, from one of my favourite, Scott's favourite movies, um, So You Married an Axe Murderer. Um, his head is like a, an orange on a toothpick. Um, he is a big, thin arrangement, but apparently does well against us. He, we also had Bruce, um, Josh Bruce out there, one of their main full forwards to, um, uh, to, he was out of the game as well. And we also had potentially, Scotty tells me, I don't know, cause he's a hack, um, their main defender in Alex Keith out as well. So there was some significant outs from the dogs that we thought, or I thought, and the, the pod thought, yeah, we, we could pinch this one. We've got Zach and Jake, who apparently got through the game pretty well last week for their miraculous recoveries. Um, and we thought, okay, good, fine. Don't think they should have played, but okay, they played and they got through it. Then what do I know? But they were back and I thought, yep, we could pinch one. We could pinch this probably against the run of play, but we could pinch this. And no. No, um, we just did exactly the same thing that we've been doing for uh, this season, basically. Sure, we've won one game, but we, we haven't done anything different um, in the other games than the week before. Uh, we were up and about for a period of time. And then, if, like I said, if you've listened to the Patreon, I, I described what's going on with the boys at the moment as a, 
there's a big dark black cloud sitting over the top of them. And that dark black cloud, in my opinion, is it's from a lack of form, right? So the the, the primary um, the primary thing at the moment is the boys, they're out of form. We're, we're missing the simplest of field kicks and handballs that we normally wouldn't give because we know we're in traffic and we know that there's a lot of congestion and we probably wouldn't give that handball or we'd, we'd try something different or we'd look for a target further out wide. But we're giving those handballs because we're nervous, because we want to get the ball out of our hands, because we're out of form and we don't want to stuff it up and, and give away a free kick and turn the ball over again. So what do we do? We make a mistake and turn the ball over again. So that, that lack of form, in my opinion, is the, is the baseline for the reason why we're playing so badly. And then on top of that, in a lovely little sort of 15 feet of cacar, um, is is just the pressure that has built up on the players to perform. And the rest of the that big black cloud that sits on top of those players every single week is, man, what happens if we lose another one? What happens if I don't play well? What happens if we lose again? Oh, man, we lost again. Um, what happens if we lose this week? Oh, there's some potential that we could win this week. We probably should win this week. Oh, man, what if we don't win? Oh, what if I make a mistake? Oh, what about, what about, what about? I, the boys at the moment, they're not playing as freely as other clubs, um, as freely as Collingwood are and as freely as Frio were. Um, and like, like the dogs... We could have beat those guys. We really could. Um, and if if an, if an opposition club could actually miss against us at the moment, that'd be great. Um, we we just seem to be uh, we, we we can't buy goals because we're um, uh, we're we're not uh, playing particularly well. But the opposition are kicking as straight as an arrow. I mean, we've, we've and I know the reason. Well, here's what I here's Grantos's expert expert opinion. Um, the reason why the dogs kicked 16-7 and we kicked 10-11 is because the dogs are getting their kicks and their marks and their shots on goal from 45, from 30, from closer. They're, they're getting the ball in between the forward line square and the 50-metre arc. And it's money for jam for professional footballers who know how to kick a goal. I swear if you gave Reedy a football on every angle inside 50 and told him to kick the ball from 35 out, he'll kick 9 out of 10 every single time. I reckon I could kick 6 out of 10 right from that distance. And we're giving the opposition those, um, those easy shots on goal. When you, when, and when you start to see those easy shots on goal and Essendon has to fight for everything we get and the reason why we're kicking so many points is because our play is so broken um, in the forward line, we've got to snap out of packs, and we've got to we've got to chase the ball, and we're kicking from bad angles, and people are on a hammer every two seconds, and we're not we're not getting marks by full forwards or keep forwards at thirty five meters out on a forty five degree angle, which Peter Wright would eat up every day of the week. So I think to go back to what I was saying just a second ago, that those boys, and I, I do feel for them a little bit. I mean, I don't. I don't condone what happened last week with the whole people walking and and not putting in effort when they should be because it, it, it makes no sense. I mean, Darcy Paris did it. The man's running like a animal. He's getting every possession he could possibly get his hands on, um, but he was doing it. Dylan Shield, who was a who's close to the fittest player at the club, he wasn't doing it. It's mental. Those those boys, and this is where I do feel for him. Those boys. Um, surprise, surprise, I, I never got close to playing AFL football. Um, but you know when you go out there that you can see that big cloud above your head and you try and play with freedom. But if – and you can see it from the boys sometimes. They're trying to play for, with freedom and um, they just – they make a mistake and then oh, that huge cloud descends on them and it drops their head and they don't take that same risk next time. They might not. They might not take the risk next time because what if I stuff it up twice? What if I make a bad mistake and we turn it over? And we are. This is the thing. The, the more you risk trying to play safe and don't 
play on natural instincts, the more you're going to turn it over because you, you don't know what you're doing. You're doing it out of necessity rather than instinct and we'll turn it over and we turn it over in such bad areas um, for a club. Like um, as I sort of scroll through right now to try and find whether or not there's a thing on turnovers um, on the AFL app. Um, yeah, turnovers, right? Look at the AFL app, like all Look at the AFL app where we turn the ball over, man. That's awful. It is it is the half-forward flank. It's inside 50 and the half-forward flank is where we turn the ball over. So it's no wonder we get scores um, kicked off us when we turn the ball over at, at half at half back. Sorry, it'll probably be half back, not half-forward. Um, where the, where the, the, and it's all four quarters in the same position. It's not like the dogs. The dogs turnover um, chart happens all through the middle of the ground, right? And that's that's understandable and, and that's fine. And there's a, a whole lot of yellow around the red for their tracker. But our tracker is in one spot every time we, for the whole four quarters. And it's no wonder we get so many points kicked on us from turnovers because everybody's so nervous about making mistakes because... The pressure of losing another game and the pressure of being hammered by fans and supporters and, and the media again. And the, the media loves it, man. They, they don't care if you're winning. If they're winning, if you're winning, they'll come out and say that the Bombers are on fire. Um, Mick Malthouse's uh, prediction was came true and aren't the Bombers great? The second you start losing, mate, they're just as happy to write the next um, uh, heading and uh, that is, oh, the Bombers are poo. Look out, everybody. We're... we're, we're the bombers are going to fall through the bottom of the ladder. So there's that pressure that builds up each week on the boys, and I do feel sorry for them. But I tell you what, after the break, we'll go to a quick break. But now, when I come back, I want to talk about where my head is at with regards to what's happening with the boys at the moment and just to realign my thoughts on where we are as a club. Because after that, I'll, I'll go through the stats um, and we'll, we'll have a look at some players and see what they did um, and didn't do. But I just want to let everybody know where my head's at at the moment. Like, it's been seven rounds, and I have more staunchly than most um, uh, been supporting the club and supporting players like Nick Cox and, and Braden Ham and Heppel and all those guys. And I still do. Um, we'll, we'll get to Heppel, but, like, that's, that's nuts. Um, the man has a bad game or two, and people are calling for his captaincy. He has 29 touches in this game, and there's not a word from anybody on the man. No, oh, geez, Heppel had a good game. He's recovered. No, just, just moving on, 29 possessions, and then nobody says anything. So um, when we come back from the break, I will, uh, I'll have a bit of a chat, let you know where I'm at, because, I don't know, I, and I hate to say this, but... I've formed an opinion now. I, I've been thinking about it for ages. Seven seven games in, I've formed an opinion. So when we get back from the break, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll fill you in on that. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now then, okay, so it's been seven rounds. We, we've won one, we've lost six. And the thing that I've been not wanting to be true, the thing that I've just been denying since we got pumped by Geelong was, no, 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 we're, we're, we're losing really badly. And, and the boys, there's got to be a change. The boys are, they're not playing to their talent. I mean, we've got all Australian midfielders. We've got Jake Stringer in there, just barging his way through places, and we're, we're a better, we're a better team like that. And and I think one of the easiest things to fix, and again, this is my expert opinion um, from my uh, my reserves and first games with the South Croydon Footy Club. Um, in my opinion, running both ways, the effort that it takes to run both ways. You don't have to be a number one draft pick and talented and tall and all of these things to do that. That just comes down to the coaching staff saying to the boys, oi, pull your finger out. Right? That just takes effort. Effort to come back and run in the opposite direction or put the time into defense. That just comes down to pure effort. So you, you don't have to teach effort. If the effort isn't there at the moment and it's not being displayed to the level that it's supposed to, 
That's where um, Truck takes his size 13, inserts it in some rear ends and says, oi, lift. Um, it's unacceptable. You've got to run both ways. So I've been waiting, waiting for us to to click. We've got the talent. I just thought that the effort was lacking a little bit because we kept getting run over in the second half of games. But no, 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 that'll, that'll kick into gear in a minute. And the boys will realise that they've got a gut run for the whole game and the, it'll, it'll kick into gear. It hasn't kicked into gear. I'm sorry. Um, and after seven games, I I thought, yeah, you know what? We could probably pinch uh, Anzac Day because Collingwood are no good. I, I swear, the first the first team that challenges Collingwood in a big way, they're going to fold because Collingwood don't want it. You can I, I, that I know for sure. They don't want it. But we we haven't challenged anybody, and whatever it is that is being told to the players at the moment, and it is translating into game plan. It just ain't working. It, it really, it just ain't working at the moment. So I I have formed an opinion, guys, and I would love your feedback. Um, if you uh, if you want to send the, the feedback via the Facebook page, my opinion is we are now officially a bottom six team. Now, that's a very sad thing to say, um, really sad thing to say. Now, I've had a chat to Scotty on the subject, and he, he, geez, he mentioned top uh, bottom four like we, we, we could be that bad that we we are bottom four at the end of the year because what we're doing at the moment and the way we are doing it the little that we are doing is just not it's not good enough the um the dylan shields of the world and the and the smiths and that sort of stuff they're clearly they're not performing to the coach's standards because that's why they're, they're not in the side at the moment but i i hate to say it guys i think we all need to readjust our expectations of the boys. Now, that does not mean um, changing the way we support them in any way, shape or form because I'll be here. I don't give a, a damn if they're on the bottom of the ladder. I'll be there each week. I just think we need to, when we start saying things like, oh, we could pinch the dogs this week or we could pinch Hawthorne next week, I just think we need to readjust. We need to readjust because truck, I, I, I bet you a million bucks, truck, Cara and Gia right now, scrambling they'd have to be scrambling now towards the media and towards the playing group they're probably very calm very collected and they're saying no 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 trust the process we're learning um the dogs are a good team we've got to learn we've got to keep going but i bet you in the background when truck g and and um and uh, cara are in a room together alone trucks looking looking at both of them and going what's going on what what is going on why is i mean they're not dumb coaches man they're, they're very experienced very capable coaches they can't be teaching they just can't be and I, I refuse refuse to believe this and sincerely if if anybody out there knows those guys and can let us know i i refuse to believe that those the coaching staff is teaching essendon to bomb it to peter law uh, peter Wright every single time we go inside forward 50 now I, I just I defy the logic of I know two meter Peter is two meters and he's a seven seater and he's massive and he's our best and practically only marking option in the forward line, but we can't that can't be our game plan. It can't be our game plan to just kick it to Peter right every two minutes. Now, truck if he was on the other end of the line right now would go yeah all right Grant like just um, righties kick four. It's going okay, mate. If you're getting four goals out of your full forward every game, the, the forward entries aren't going too bad. I agree, mate. But does it have to be every single time? Does poor Peter Wright have to pull marks out of his rear end um, and have to be every inches of two metres tall? There's about nine blokes around the ball and contesting whenever Peter, Peter Wright goes up for a mark. The poor bloke's got to take marks in packs of three and four of the opposition. Now, because he's a massive reverse cycle heater, seven-seater, um, two-meter Peter, he can get it done. Like, and he's getting it done. And then when he turns around and hit, heads at goal, he's one of the straightest kicks of a football I've ever seen. So without Reedy, we would be... Reedy. Without Wrighty, we would be in a hell of a lot of trouble. But the point I'd, I'd like to make is why... Aren't we looking for anybody else in that forward line? People, people are talking to me and on the Facebook page and like they're saying things like, um, "Let's bring back uh, Harry Jones. We need Harry Jones. When's he coming back?" Now, 
Yes, we need Jonesy, and he will be back. I think he's like two, three weeks away. Um, they're being extra cautious, cautious with Jonesy because um, he's had a bit of a history of, uh, of injuries, has the boy, and geez, man, they'd really like to get him out of the park for an extended period of time, not just sort of in for two or three and then out for four. And We need to get the boy right. Um, I think they well and truly have been burnt by Joe Danaher, so they want to make sure they get this thing right. Um and when he comes back in, that'll be great. It'll give us another marking option around forward 50. But I, my argument, guys, is where are the other five blokes that are in the forward line now? Like, I understand that they're roving Peter Wright, and that's that's their job sometimes. Maybe Perko's supposed to be um, at the at the base of, um, of Wrighty and running around. But why, why is it that... And again, we go down that same wing every time we pick a wing and we go down there every single time and it's always really leading for the ball down the same wing that's the part that i think needs to change there's no way ben's game plan is kick it down the wing the same wing um to one of the worst marking teams in the comp at the moment in Essendon. We're one of the worst marking teams or statistically one of the worst marking teams in the comp and we're not taking those marks. And then we have to, when the ball goes out of bounds, we've got to rely on um, stoppage clearances, which again, we're not real special at. We're, we're not good at that. Darcy in the middle of the ground is a is a beast. He's getting um, clearance after clearance, but we don't perform particularly well when it's a... Um, uh, when it's a, a ball-in situation. it just We're not playing to our strengths when we do that. So say we do get it, and maybe we get a handball to the outlet, and maybe we continue on that way. The righty then leads, and about four blokes are hanging off the, the poor bugger. Like, where is Perkins... Um, where is the rest of our um, Waterman? Where is um, Stringer? Where are they that they're spreading away from righty? and not going with him so that they can Peter can go up against one, maybe two defenders. And he's he's 80% of the chance going to mark it in that case. But wouldn't it be nice, and this is what I was thinking, wouldn't it be nice to have us run, if we have to run down that damn wing, if we run down the wing and somebody, I don't know, Archie Perkins, he's down there with Wrighty and he goes, actually, you know what, I am going to bolt in the complete opposite direction to righty and scream my head off of the ball. And then Alex Waterman looks at him and goes, yeah, you know what? I'm going to run down towards the opposite direction to Perkins and see and give options, spread out our forward line so Perkins' player doesn't get to go in and triple-team um, two-metre and Waterman's doesn't get to do the same. The the we, People say we need more forwards, we need better forwards. Yeah, I agree. But we're letting the other five guys in the forward line at the moment off the hook, in my opinion. Like, Waterman's done well last week, and he's a capable forward when he gets his hands on it. And and Perkins chimes in for a bit of a mark and a bit of a kick every now and then. But he, we, we, we don't get... And I know Perkins, I don't know if he's a one-on-one sort of offensive player. I don't know that you'd isolate Perkins in the forward line and tell him to go to work. You would with Stringer, right? Like, if you could isolate Stringer against anybody in the comp, you'd do it. But where is the isolation between those other five blokes? I, you know, what I would really, really love is if Perkins, Waterman, and whomever else is playing in that forward line, Hobbs, those guys, whomever's down there, when they see the ball rushing down the forward line, towards the forward line, bolt to the opposite side of the ground. Just, just once, and I don't care if the ball comes flying back out and it didn't work, but just confuse the hell out of the opposition and have five blokes, not righty, have five blokes bolt towards the other side of the 50 and watch the defenders just go mad. Like, what the, what the hell? Where are they going? Now, I know the ball would probably go to Peter Wright and they'll have, they'll have six on one and the ball will come rifling straight back out. And that's fine, but it will just demonstrate to the bloke kicking the ball into the forward line that, hey, there are other people in the forward line. And you need to look up and instead of kicking it to righty because he's leading again and I love him and he creates packs and he creates um, stoppages and that's fine, but there are other players in the forward line that aren't being held accountable for the amount of work that they do um, and that's why I think we need to um, we need to utilize them more, even if it, even if it doesn't work, even if Perkins gets outbodied, 
and the ball. Like, at least we're not so predictable as to go to righty every single time. So, look, guys, I, I, I think I'm definitely at a position now where I, I've changed my mind um, about the club. We've got, we've got a lot of work to do, and I don't mean on talent. I genuinely don't because we have. We over the last three to four years, we've gone and acquired talent. We've we've got um, Dylan Shiel and we've got Jai Caldwell and we've got Jake Kelly and we've got um, a whole heap of talent coming into that um, club. And there's been good acquisitions in there. And and Shiel, although he got dropped, he is still a very talented footballer. And I think that had something to do with him running, not running in both directions. But that's fine. The bit that I that I I. I I don't think that we need to do is throw baby out with bathwater with regards to talent. We don't need to go and get a huge amount of players. There just needs to be some psychological changes and it has to come down initially to the coaching staff. They've got to get through to those players. They've got to get through to them somehow. And I know last week, I remember Darcy said that, um, sorry, um, McGrath said when he was talking to Lloydie that, um, a few players got a few bullets between the eyes um, from Truck last week, and he didn't miss, apparently. And that's a good thing. I mean, modern footballers, everybody's been warned, modern footballers do not, um, they do not respond to fingers in chests from uh, from coaches. They just don't anymore. These these hard-nut coaches that of the back in the day, the Malthouses, the Sheedies, the, all those guys, they don't respond to that anymore. They they. Modern day footballers, right? But apparent and Truck has been great at it. He's but you see him when he talks to the players and the like. He's very convivial. He's very uh, he works with them. He wants you to get the best out of you and all that sort of stuff. He's not a barking orders at the at the footballers kind of coach. But it's at a point now where I hate to say it, Truck, but it looks like they're taking advantage of you, mate, because you're not the message that you're giving these guys is not coming across. It, whatever whatever you're telling them, and it can't be down the damn wing every time and kick it to Peter Wright. It just can't be that. So whatever you're telling them, they're not doing. So I I don't know what you do, mate, because we haven't got enough players to go, right, you're dropped, you're dropped, and you're dropped, and we'll bring in X, Y, and Z from the VFL team. We don't have the players down there. The um, for, for whatever reason, the VFL program has not been invested in, um, and we don't have players coming through. We've got injuries in Snelling and Langford and the like, um, and we've got Hammy running around in the in the VFL that we could use, and um, a couple other players that we've got down there that we could potentially use. But we've got Kane Baldwin in the side. We've got Nick Martin in, who's turned brilliant. Um, but uh, we've got Hobsey, who's the other draft pick that we got that everybody wanted in the side, but there's not much else to bring in. So... There it is, guys. Um, be interesting to get Scotty's take on this when he comes back, as to as to whether or not he's going to actually say, "Yeah, look, I, I, each week now, I'm not I'm not looking for a win." Um, and then this is me talking again. I, I I'm not looking for a win next week against Hawthorne. I just want to see incremental change. I want to see incremental change in the way we do things because. You, I appreciate when Truck says each week you've got to trust in the process, you've got to trust in the plan, you've got to trust that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. But you can't chuck it out of after seven games and that sort of stuff. But, mate, Ben, I, I can't see a plan. I, I Nobody can see a plan. Nobody can see a game plan. If it was... And I know, okay, so is, is handball part of it? Is that part of the game plan? And I, clearly it is because we do it probably more than any other uh, other team, Right. I can understand the benefit of handball. I really can. And when we're linking and running and doing all these things, that we look like world beaters when we do it. But the boys aren't running, man. They're not... Well, they're doing it, but they're making these skill errors. And until they get some clear air behind them or in front of them, where they don't have this big cloud of underperforming hanging over their heads, then that, that talent and that skillful handball that you want them to complete, it's not going to work. So I just, I just, there needs to be a change or a tweak, a tweaking of the game plan to give these boys something different to do until they get a couple of wins under their, um, uh, under their uh, um, belts, and then they get a bit of confidence, and that big black cloud turns into a little cloud, and they can deal with it. Then you start reintroducing. All right, guys, everybody feeling better? We got two or three wins. Great. Everybody feeling better now, guys. Remember that game plan where I was telling you to do this and do that, 
and it required you guys to hit targets and be more skillful, let's start going back to that. Because now that you've got a bit more confidence and you're feeling better as a footballer, then we can go back to being a bit more skillful because the foot skills will be there and the people might take the extra um, risk because they're not so worried about being dropped next week or being performing badly and, and the press and all of that sort of stuff. That would be good for then, but for now there's got to be a tweaking somewhere of, of the way that we play because to keep losing exactly the same way, don't mind losing, never have. Where teams are up, teams are down. But I don't mind losing, never have. We've, we haven't made a final or haven't won a final in 20 years. And so trust me, if, you, if you're an Essendon supporter and you've been around for the last 20 years and you're still an Essendon supporter, then you're an Essendon supporter for life because we haven't done much in 20 years. And if you stick, still stick around after 20 years, then you're an Essendon supporter through and through. So I don't mind the losing part. It's the how we're losing. It, it's, it kills me. So there needs to be a bit of a change, I think, um, from Ben. So I hope he does, man. I hope, I hope he tweaks something. I hope he does something slightly different just to show the club and to show the players that, okay, okay, fine. What we were doing and what we taught you and that sort of stuff, we're not in a position to do it at the moment. You can pivot. Right, now we'll play for a more simple game plan, a more... A, less, a thing that requires less actual finesse because we don't have the touch in our hands at the moment because we're so nervous. And then once we get that touch back, heaven forbid we win a couple in a row, heaven forbid we win two or three or whatever it is, we beat a team we didn't think we would, the boys will jump up, that black cloud will go, and then the talent, surprisingly, will come back. i bet you a million bucks. So um, what we'll do, I'll go to another quick break, and then I think I'll come back, I'll run through the, uh, the playing list. Um, back to front, and uh, and we'll sort of I'll let you know how I thought we played because there's a, there's a few players in here that played really well. There's a few that didn't. So um, when we come back from the break, I'll I'll run you through back to front. Did I just play that on the original one? I'm not sure. And welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now then, look, from the backs to the fronts. Now, guys, the back line, and I said this on the Patreon last night, I feel for the back line, I really do. That back line has been scrambling since day one. The fact that somebody gets dropped because they don't run in both directions shows you the amount of pressure that that back line must be under because the, the, the center line, they're just streaming through the middle. Every time they, they, practically every time they get the ball, they just get to run through the middle and it is so much harder for the defenders when the, the centre line is being just, is a, is a, um, a freeway that you can just run down whenever you like, put it down the um, forward's throat to their advantage and people like Ridley have been chasing rear ends all game. Now, last year, Dyson Heppel, um, Ridley, uh, Martin, uh, sorry, not Martin, uh, Redman, and um, Laverde and all those guys, they looked like a million bucks. Hind, they looked a million bucks. In my opinion, our back line is the most talented area of our game. I mean, apart from apart from the two All-Australians, which you could probably argue makes that the most talented area. But I honestly think when we're up and about and we're not playing as badly as we are, our back line is one of the best in the comp. We've got Ridley. I remember him two years ago, man, taking 10 intercept marks in a game. Laverde last year looked like an absolute world beater. He was he was beating defenders regularly. We had Hindy who had time to run up behind and get that handball and break lines. Um, Dyson Heppel was the um, uh, was the veteran leadership down there, and our backline looked great. You could chuck um, Andy McGrath down there, not that we did, but with Andy McGrath down there now and Jake Kelly. The names on that paper look really good, but mate, those those poor those poor buggers don't have time to recover and actually implement and use the skills that Jordan Ridley has and use Hindy's run because when when players like the opposition player for Hindy has all the time in the world to run and get the ball, Hindy can get found out because he's not a particularly good one on one defender. 
But when we had somewhat control of the midfield or we held people up through the mid, then Hindy didn't have to be as accountable to his man because the ball that was coming in there was super ugly and Rids would jump across a pack, um, Laverde would jump across a pack and then give the quick handball to Hindy who could run his 20, 30 metres and, and look like a million bucks. We can't do it at the moment. Our defenders are too busy scrambling to try and um, come up against. And look, Rids one-on-one is a great player. He's, he's got um, the good golden fist going on. But it's not his game, man. We're not we're wasting Ridley this year because it's not how he should be playing. He's a, he's a, a come-off defender who can influence other packs and take marks. He's very, very good at it. We haven't been able to see that from Rids this year because the mids are just so wide open. So... Look, Dyson Heppel had a great game, in my opinion, 29 touches. Um, what I would love to see on the Facebook page is people recognising that. People are very quick to jump down Dyson's throat as being too slow, um, not good enough, take the captaincy of him, send him down to the VFL. Um, Heppel's no good, Heppel's no good. The man gets 29 touches. Um, where are we? 29 touches. Uh, where is he? Uh, I thought it was 29 touches. Did I tell you all a lie? Um, where is he? Uh, Draper Stringer. Oh, because I'm looking at goals. Silly boy. Uh, Merritt Parish. Heppel, 29. 29 at 86, right? Now, where's, where's the love for Dyson for 29 touches? Yeah? No? No, no, no love for Dyson? It's harsh, man, because the guy tries. He has veteran leadership down there, and we are a better team with Dyson Heppel in it. Believe me, guys. So um, Hepps did really well down the back. I really want to highlight Jake Kelly. Without that boy, um, we would have been pumped in a few games. Um, I know Waitman. I think he played on Waitman for the majority of the game. Waitman did kick two, but, I mean, again, with the amount of ball that's coming into that forward line so rapidly, it's no wonder um, he kicked two. But a, a guy like that normally kicks three, four, five on us. Um, and Kelly's kept him quiet. I think Waitman had like nine touches throughout the entire game. So that's what you want. Like that Jake Kelly's doing an incredible job on us on some talls, but really, really good on the on the smalls. Sure, he pinched two on him, and that's that's fine. But he's doing a really good job on the smalls as well. And again, I want to see, uh, this is another thing that I, I want to see for the rest of the year. I want to see Andy McGrath down back for the rest of his career. He's a number one draft pick, and that's fine. Is he going to be um, Jason Horn Francis? No. Um, he's not going to burst through packs and punch dudes in the head and and be really um, physical and that sort of stuff. Andy McGrath, when you put him in the back line, looks like a million bucks. He looks like a number one draft pick because he's comfy, he's at home, he knows how to deal with stuff down there. And man, when we get hold of the midfield and actually calm things down so that people aren't just lay as we let them go through the midfield. And he's going to be brilliant down there. He's he's so much better in the back line. And I thought he played an okay game as well when he was down there. He showed it. Mason Redman played a really good game too. He's back to some good form a couple of weeks in a row. Um, the Red Dog is in my side every time he plays. So Mason Redman, um, another good game down there. Really good to see Zach Reed. Didn't do a hell of a lot. But believe me, guys, he is absolutely um, the future of our um, of our backline at fullback. He just is two hundred and some odd centimeters, um, left boot, right boot. He's linguini thin at the minute, but he'll get there. Um, but he he's he looks okay, and you know that he's going to be down there for a good period of time. So I feel for your backline boys, <laughs> I really do, because. You're under a hell of a lot of pressure. And just imagine the pressure they're under um, every week when they, they keep getting so many goals kicked on them. And I wonder if I wonder if they think, man, it'd be nice to get a chop out by somebody else at this club rather than just having the ball coming into them at 8,000 miles an hour every every other moment. So um, really good effort from the back line. The, the centre line, I'll, I'll read it out as um, as it was put up on the on the Bombers website. Like Nick Martin, Zerrett and Nick Cox. Now, I think everybody's said everything they're going to say about Nick Martin. He's, uh, he's, we have pinched one officially there. We really, really have pinched one officially. In the same breath as we've pinched one with um, Two Metre Peter, um, thank you to the biggest of large red fire engines in uh, Adrian Dodoro for grabbing that kid. He is... I tell you what, I, every time I see him play, the words that come out of my mouth is uh, Mark Mercury. 
He he probably doesn't have Mark's goal sense and the freakishness about that, but he definitely is smooth as silk. Mark McCurry was like a Rolls Royce of a footballer, man. Like he he was smooth, he was clean, he was brilliant. Um, Nick Martin doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make mistakes. He's so good with the ball in his hands every time. So we've we've pinched one there. Zach Merritt was Zach Merritt again. He um he came back, um, played really well. Thirty six touches, seventy seven percent efficiency. The thing with him and and Parish though is that, and I'd 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 love to know your feedback too. Tell us on the Facebook page because. Um, of the 36 possessions that Zarek got, 27 of them were um, were handballs. Now, he's one of our most effective, if not our most effective, um, disposal guy by foot. So only nine kicks. Nine kicks out of that 36 is, it's just, it seems to be lopsided and for, for a reason. So Darcy, again, 13 kicks and 19 handballs. It's just... It's it's got to be over handballing, maybe maybe not. But what do I know? But it just looks it to me that there's an over handball going on. Um, Nick Cox ineffectual, got injured. Um, I think there was a there was a there was a, a sign of Nick when he was off the um, when he was off the ground testing his testing out his injury to see if he was going to go back on. The boy didn't look good, man. He looked defeated. He looked. His head was down. He didn't look happy. He, he just, I think Nick realizes that he ain't playing real well. And I just wonder whether or not he thinks it's his fault because he's far more talented than what he's showing at the moment. And sure, you could say chuck him down in the twos, but we ain't got anybody to replace him. That's the problem, right? So we need to persevere with Nick Cox. He's, he haven't, we haven't even seen half the best of what Nick Cox is, is capable of doing. And it's just going to be time in the in the seniors that does it for mine, for Nick Cox. Um, so keep him in. I'm sorry, but keep him in. The half forwards, Archie Perkins, Alec Waterman and Matt Guelphie. What do you say about Guelph? I mean, he's just, he's, the Iceman is just everywhere. He, the the effort, if we had um, 22 uh, Matt Guelphie efforts, we'd be on top of the, of top of the ladder easily. He's just, he's everywhere. He tries his hardest every time he touches the ball. Is Matt Guelph, he's six foot seven? No. Is he as fast as lightning? No. What does he do particularly well? Mm, he's, he's, he doesn't, he's not a, he's not a massive goal kicker. He's not a massive defender. Matt Guelph, he will give you a hundred percent effort every time he touches the ball and he's a pretty good footballer to boot. So Matt Guelph, for this season has got to be close to the top of the Crichton, in my opinion, because he is impacting the game every single week and the effort is is indisputable from Guelph. So I'm a massive fan of his year this year. Um, Alec Waterman, again, better than what he's showing. He's better than what he's showing. He's a lump of a kid who should be isolated, in my opinion. Um, Waterman, he should be doing better. Uh, I think we should be kicking it to him more. He's very, very capable, but we're just not doing it. So, I mean, see the first part of this podcast where I said that we've got five blokes in a forward line who... They're not spreading. They're not giving options inside 50. It's all down righty's throat. So um, Archie Perkins chimes in every now and then. Um, how many did the Perk have um, this game? Um, it's not exactly going to be at the top, I don't think. So uh, where are we? 12. 12 at 91. Um, six marks, not bad. Um, again, I'd like to see how many goals. Zero. Right. So I'd love to see Perk's. Um, be be isolated, hit him on a lead, do something inside, inside forward 50. If he gets summarily beaten, he gets beaten. That's fine. Uh, but open it up more for the for the kid. Give him more opportunities than 19 possessions. So um, Perk, okay game from the boy. Who else have we got? Benny Hobbs, um, Peter Wright. I've said everything there is to say about Wrighty. Um, done. Um, thank you, um, Adrian. Um, ben Hobbs... Again, a player that we've got to play because we ain't got nobody else. Um, he, I just worry that the only thing that Ben um, Hobbs knows about this club at the moment is getting pumped. And I, I would much, if I was 100% honest, I would much rather see Ben Hobbs getting 26 touches in the VFL um, and playing brilliantly and learning the game and getting 26 this week and 26 next week and getting lots of possessions and getting leather poisoning and feeling what it's like to to be a good footballer, build up his confidence, and then bring him into the club. But apparently, 
we're going to let him try and do that in the uh, in the ones, or the fact that we don't have a spot for him in the uh, sorry, there's no there's nobody bringing to bring in for him um, in the the twos means that Ben has to play, and he has to play and get hammered um, each week, which I just hate to see. But he if he's in the side to tackle in the forward line. I want to see more tackles out of him. I really do. Um, uh, if I look for Hobbsy's um, stats, Ben Hobbs, 10, um, 10 positions, one tackle. Now, if he's there to do the, the Snelling role, right, forward pressure, keep the ball in there, and um, generally be a midfielder down there and try and get his hands on the ball as often as he can, then 10 possessions and one tackle ain't, ain't cutting it. So what, what is he down there to do? If he's down there to be the tackling guy, then he should be running from contest to contest to contest, try and tackle everybody. His own men, other men, the umpires, dudes in the front row of the stands, tackle everybody, young man. Yeah. Like, do do it all. Is he down there to try and pinch one? Is he down there to pinch a goal? Is he down there to... What is he down there to do? Because we, we need goals. So isolate Hobbs and try and kick the ball to the man. Right? So that he can get a goal. Or is he down there for tackles? Then, kid, I want to see minimum six tackles out of you, eight tackles, ten tackles. If that's your job, then go down there and tackle like a, a madman. So, I, yeah, it's there's there's so many areas where we can improve. Righty, gun, Sam Durham, I, I like him a lot. I really like him a lot. He's, he's versatile. He played down back last year when we played him. He's playing up forward this time because we need those players down there that can put their head down, get the ball, and when Wrighty's created a pack at forward 50 or something like that and there's a ball in and we get the ball, we want hard nuts down there to be able to get the ball and kick it forward. So there's nothing wrong with Sam Durham's game. Again, I, I don't know that I see him forward, in my opinion. Um, I, I, I see him as a halfback, as a running halfback. But um, another good game from Sam Durham, in my opinion. He, he did well. The followers, Sam Draper, mate, that's that's another good game from Drapes. He has had the blowtorch of truth applied to him by the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast, and the boy has hath responded. He is bounding around the place. He's bouncing off people. He's getting every um, tap out that money can buy. He's 100 and some odd kilos, and he's using it. That's what I'm talking about. When I was Sammy's age, I wasn't as tall as him, but I was that size. And if you if you if you know that people tend to get out of your way or people bounce off you when you're that big and you're that athletic and you're that strong, you can use it, right? Like and he is at the moment. This is what St Kilda was looking at when we first drafted this kid, someone who bounces out of uh, of packs. Nobody thinks he's going to do it, so half the time they leave him alone. The other people leave him alone because they don't want 104 kilos or whatever he is absolutely steamrolling over the top of you. He's effective in the um, in the ball ins. He's effective around the ground. I would love to see some more marks out of him, but he's effective around the ground and he's doing really well. This is the kind of level of of increase in skills and belief in themselves that so many players in this club need to do. So the difference between Sam in the first two games of this year, especially that game against Geelong when um, the bloody second string, whoever the hell, Stanley, is it Reece Stanley? Um, Stanley played against us. Like Stanley's older than dirt and he's half busted. Sammy should have destroyed him. Should have absolutely destroyed him and half won us the game. But he didn't. He let Reece Stanley beat him. Now, since probably two, three games ago, Sammy's flicked a switch. And there are so many players that need to flick switches in this in this team to be able to do what Sammy's done. So a massively good game from you, um, uh, Sammy Draper. Darcy Parrish, what can you say? Hold your head up, kid. Again, you've, you've done really well without those 36 touches. And, and people were saying, and I'm, I'm one of them, I look at those 36 and go, geez, man, I'd love to see more forward um, metres gained from those 36 touches. Um, I'd love for two of those 36s to be uh, to be goals. That'd be really nice. Um, but without without those two, um, Merritt and Parrish, um, getting the ball 39 and 36 times, that's 77, whatever it is, my math is bad, five um, times that the opposition didn't have the ball. And I'll take that every day of the week, even if we are giving off handballs and the like. It's it's time without the ball that the opposition um, doesn't have. So I, I'll take that every day of the week. Darcy now is just building a body of work, really serious body of work. Jake Stringer, 
he ain't fit, in my opinion. He ain't 100% fit. And I don't know that we're ever going to see 100% Jake, uh, Jake Stringer fit. But, well, we're not because the whole team is playing so badly, we don't get to see the, um, the brilliance of Jake Stringer coming in over the top of a half-good team, turning a half-good team into a really good team because he can elevate the whole team by kicking two or three or bursting out of packs and stuff. Even Jakey's got um, a big black cloud hanging over him at the moment. Not not because he's not playing well, but well, he is. Where everybody's out of form, but just that big black cloud of, of uncertainty at the moment um, hanging over everybody, including Jake Stringer. Haven't seen anything um, like we, we, we should be seeing out of Stringer this year. Um, the interchange, we did have Tommy Cutler in the side. Tommy played fine. He's um he's an interesting bloke, Tommy. He's he's gonna be in, he's gonna be out, he's gonna be the whipping boy, I think, when we want to bring somebody in. Um, but I, I like Tommy Cutler in my side. I really do. I, I think he's um he's a good player and we, we look good with him in the side. He's he's addressed his hard ball, um, his ability to get the hard ball. I don't know that you're ever gonna find him on the bottom of every pack you find. But um Tommy Cutler's in my best twenty two now. If I can if I well Maybe. If I can find him a spot, I'll, I'll put him in the side. But Tommy did really well. Jaden Laverde, again, he's trying. He's uh, He must have thought, geez, last year this backline thing is, is good. Um, he, uh, he he performed like a star, and now he's got he's to scramble each week. And he's doing it for us. So um, a really good game from, ja- from Jaden, in my opinion. Jai Caldwell's an interesting one. Uh he looks like a well, when we when I went down to training and Scotty was telling me of the trainings that he went to, Jai was beating everybody up, like he was getting the ball out of the middle like an animal. He, I just think I worry whether or not they think that um, they've got to put Merritt and Parish through the middle and not Jai Caldwell because I don't know. I think Jai's an in and under guy at the middle of the ground, and I and I don't know that he's probably going to get there because we've got two All Australians in there at the moment, so he's got to play sort of in and around the ball. I just, I, I don't know that he's the kind of player that can um, can play down forward and then go into the midfield. I think he needs time in the midfield, like three quarters in the midfield or a lot of midfield time to build up the confidence in there and, and, and figure out how things go. Because again, he hasn't played much footy since we've got him. He hasn't played that much footy. He needs time in the middle, but... I don't know how you manage that. Uh, that'd be an interesting one for how people see that too. Tell us on the Facebook page. How do you see Jai Caldwell playing more more time in the middle when you've got maybe it's Shields, maybe it's Shields position. Who not Shields position? I don't know. Um, it'd be interesting to find out what people think there. And then another bloke who I I just worry. Poor Kane Baldwin. Um, he had like five touches. How many touches did he have? Um, he had like five, I think. Yeah, five, um, one mark, one goal from a snap around the corner. That's fine. The, the kid's really capable and uh, bless. But again, I just worry that the boy is, we're wasting him. We're, we're, the only thing that he knows when he comes up to the to the ones is getting smashed. And I know it's great experience for him. And it's, I can see a long time future for Kane Baldwin in our side because he's, He's tall enough to be key position, but he's um, quick enough and fast enough across the ground that he could play. Um, we could play uh, him and Jones in the same side, in my opinion. But I just worry that here's another kid that deserves to be down in the in the twos, building a body of work. Kicking five this week. See if he can kick another five this week, mate. Oh, you only kick three? That's fine, mate. No worries at all. See if he can kick three again next week. Oh, he kicked three. That was great. And then he kicks two, and then he kicks five. Just build him up down there. Like... Enjoy some wins, kick some goals, mate. Get some pats on the back from the boys. But at the moment, he's running around, and the we've barely got a um, a game plan for righty, let alone poor Kane Baldwin. We just we're not we're not stretching, we're not um, uh, we're not spreading. And I've seen I watched Kane a few times. Like he's running in different positions, but nobody's looking at him. They are so reliant on righty, and and the only person they kick the ball to is righty 90% of the time. And mostly that's because righty has the right of way, meaning get the hell out of the way of the two-meter seven-seater because he's leading, right? Now, he's the key, he's the main forward, so get the hell out of his way. Now, everybody does, the Essendon players get the hell out of his way, but Baldwin's sort of standing over there going, what am I, Scotch missed, right? So... 
I just think the if you if you're running down that wing, uh, Redders or um, Zach or somebody like that, and you see Wright running towards you to that real boundary, close to the boundary sort of fifty meter arc, look inboard a little bit. Just look inboard. Look for Kane Baldwin. He's got to be around there somewhere, man, and try and kick it to the boy and see what he can do. But again, I just think. It'd be great to see the, the, the kid build a huge um, body of work in the twos, but we need him. We've got to have him in the side at the moment, unfortunately, to give somebody down there. Um, who else played? So Dylan Shield was the, the med sub and he came on. He's in. That's a lot of money sitting there for a half a footy. That's a lot of money. He's uh, He came on and, and did well, as you would imagine, being um, as quick as he is and and coming on as the sub. He, he made an impact and that's fine. But geez, man, I don't know what the what the story is with Dylan. But to to put that much money on the on the on the bench as the medical sub with no real expectation to play, that's a message, man. That's a message to Dylan Shearer right there. So I, I, uh, I don't know that I want to see it. Even even if he's not performing a hundred percent, we need that boy on the field running around. Um, we really do because. It, is it okay if he's not running in both directions and that's the reason why we dropped him, then drop him. Fine. Make a decision and do it. But, geez, man, we, we've got to have somebody to replace him in the mid to get those possessions. So, geez, I hope, I hope he comes back this week and I hope he um, he really performs because on his day, he's an exceptional footballer. Um, we didn't get to, to see Nick Bryan. Uh, he's uh, he's close. He's real close. I think he uh, he's doing really well in the twos, and he's he's got to be close. I just think I just wonder whether or not they think they're too big if they have um, two meter in there, um, Sammy and then Nick Bryan. I just think maybe they think they're a bit too tall um, if they bring those two boys in. So maybe Sammy will get a rest in the minute. Uh, I don't know against two. Maybe you'll get a rest and they'll bring Nick Bryan in to have a look at him. But um, he's not too far away. So the ins were Reedy and Cutler. Cut like I said, Cutler did well. Reedy played really well. Zerk Thatcher, in my opinion, unlucky. Um, but again, Reedy in the future is going to be our uh, part of our back line. So it's, uh, it was always going to be the case that Reedy gets a game. So there it is, front to back. Um, what I thought of the, of the players, where we're at. I just think, again, from front to back there, Bar Guelph and um, Nick Martin and probably Sammy Draper, the whole team, and, and Merritt Mer- and Parrish, what, what can you say? I can't, you can't bag them too much when they, they get that many possessions. Um, there's a lot of players that are down on form. A lot of players, and I mean, if you look at the if I look at the stat sheet at the moment, um, there's Zerat and Parish on top. Heppel with 29. Mason Redmond, like I said, good game with 29. Very noticeable. Nick Martin 25. That's a great. That's a great game, man. Four tackles, um, point, but that's fine. Had a crack at it. Andy McGrath with 21. Tommy Cutler. See, when you start to see things like 21s out of McGrath and Cutler and, um, and Nick Martin with 25 and Hepps with 29, you'd think that we would... When you start to see those stats, when you get the players close to those 30 touches, Essendon usually goes pretty well. I think I said it last year on the main pod that when you start to see our main possession getters and then some of these other guys, the Nick Martins, the McGraths, the Cutlers, the Caldwells, um, and people like that, Hindy and people like that, if they get those high 25 numbers, it means we've been really competitive. It just at the moment, those possessions are one meter handballs and they're not they're not gaining anything massive um, from them. So yeah, there's the, the likes of Liberatore and Trelaw and Bailey Smith and Bailey Dale, McRae at 28 again. Jeez, I hate that bloke. Um, I don't rate him. He looks like my dad. He he looks like he's about fifty years old, and like he should have male pattern baldness or something like that. He doesn't look like an athlete, but the boy keeps getting twenty eight against us every time, and it annoys me. Um, begrudgingly, I'd say that that bloke is a good player because just he annoys me. Um, Caldwell Ridley with twenty again. Sammy Durham, Sammy Durham, and um, and Guelph seventeen each. Sammy Draper, good to see. 16 touches. Marks, one again, though. Like, it just... I, don't know, I haven't got the stats in front of me, but I'd love to see how many marks Max Gorn got um, this week or Nick Nat or not that he's playing. But, um, yeah, just I, that's the next element for me for Sammy Draper. I just would kill to see him take more marks around the game, around the ground. Um, Kelly, 15. Then we get down to Laverde's and the and the Perkins and Wright and that sort of stuff at twelve and Shield at eleven and a half uh, of game footy. So Stringer with eleven, one goal one. So I guess it's uh 
it's it's another loss, guys. <laughs> um, it really is, and it's it's tough to keep hoping week after week that we're going to be good. It's tough to hope that oh, if we can just get this guy to play better, if we can just get that guy to play better, I. That's why I have my position that we're a bottom six side. But that's not throw baby out with bathwater, by the way. It's not. It's not. Well, you'll never hear from Grant again, and the whole side should just be disbanded or anything. That's not in entirely the case. It's just me changing the expectation of the club. Instead of seeing dramatic wins and massive um, uh, scores and wins and perfect plays, I just want to see us incrementally improve each week. And I think some of it has to come from change. I really think it does. And I think the the the, the tweaking or the changing of the podcast for the podcast it's because I read the word podcast on the on the roadcaster. Um, the changing of the game plan slightly, I think, is just it's overdue because what we're doing at the moment ain't working. It's really not. And the the coaching staff, I'm I'm starting to stick my head up over the sort of the the fence of the ground over the petition at work. And I'm making a polite inquiry um, of the coaching staff at the moment about what is going to be done to arrest the way we are losing. Not that we are losing. Like, I don't demand I want wins or nothing. It's the way we're losing, right? Like, there's no such thing as an honourable loss, in my opinion. That is the world's biggest cop-out, in my opinion. But I just think the way we keep losing is exactly the same each week. And they've got to see it better than me, mate. They've got to see it better than the the rest of us as as, as watchers, because as supporters and the like, because they're professionals. They know about this, so there has to be something done differently. Now there was this week in Dylan being dropped, and that's fine. Um, we brought um, uh, Hobbsy and all those guys into the side to try and change things around. I just think that the boys need to, the, the coaching staff, I mean, just need to change things around a, a little bit. So I, I genuinely hope they do. We've got, next week we've got, well, this week coming up, we've got the Hawkers, um, the Dirty Hawks, Scotty's most hated team, closely followed by Collingwood, but Scotty is most hated um, team is Hawthorne. They would be my very, very, very close second um, to the um, to the, the idiots on just off Hoddle Street. Um, so it's a, it's a game that I don't, I don't, again, I don't care if, um, if Essendon's no good and Hawthorne's no good and we're not really going to be worrying the finals or they're not going to be the engraver isn't going to have to, uh, brush up on his E's and his S, S's for the cup this year. I don't think, um, nor is he going to have to, uh, <laughs> brush up on his, uh, W's or TH's for Hawthorne. So this game this week, and I don't care how bad we are, where we are on the field. Every single time you play Hawthorne, you want to win, and you, you you just the Hawthorne will be exactly the same. You know, Dermot Brereton will fire this up, and he will mention the line in the sand game, and he will mention the eighties, and he'll mention all of this stuff. And damn right he should, because Essendon v Hawthorne is like Essendon v Collingwood, mate, and Carlton for that matter, um, and everybody else. If I'm hundred percent honest, but those three blokes, especially Col- uh, Hawthorne. We don't want to lose against Hawthorne. I just want to see, we, we, we may, and that's the problem, I just want to see the incremental change, the thing that we're going to be doing differently this week. Because effort, oh, yeah, but we put in four quarters of effort. Yeah, sure. Uh, okay, great. You're supposed to. You get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to put in effort. I want to see the thing that is changing from what we're doing currently that stops us from from losing in exactly the same way. It has to change. So, um, Saturday next week, 7.25 game, I do believe, um, against the Hawkers. Um, it's going to be an interesting one because the Hawks aren't exactly world beaters at the moment, but they go okay. They've still got some decent names in that side. And again, as far as I know, because don't care about Hawthorne, um, they haven't been losing in any sort of significant way. Um, so it'll be, it'll be a massive game. Um, next week, I am pretty sure um, that Scotty and I will be there. We have uh, Scotty will have had um, AFL fever um, from uh, all of the coconuts that he's been eating, and uh, I understand he uh, he goes up the tree himself and grabs the coconuts. Um, he's that athletic, the boy. Um, so he'll be uh, he'll be uh, he'll have his coconut water um, fill, and he'll be back. And he'll be wanting to um, scarf into a dirty pie at the uh, at the footy and watch Essendon beat Hawthorne. So. 
That's it, everybody. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining me on the pod today. It's been a hell of a lot of fun um, to do uh, by myself. It's been a bit daunting to, to be able to talk sort of by myself. I, I know you guys um, will probably be sick of, of hearing me. Um, thanks very much to the Patreons that uh, joined us. But um, we can welcome Scott Batty, uh, Scotty back next week for the uh, Thursday Night Team Selection Show. Um, he'll also be back for the um, the post-game reaction show as normal. And then it'll be the, the Grant Hoss and Scotty show again um, as per normal, regular programming for from next Monday. So um, thank you everybody for, for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you guys soon.